Welcome one and all to the DL Debate. Thanks so much for tuning in now on Highland Radio. We're back via the podcast. This is your weekly GE wrap-up. And this weekend we're wrapping up the Ulster Club and all the excitement from the weekend action, uh, including St. Unions, who qualified for the Hurling Junior Championship final in Ulster. Downings, unfortunately, crashed out in the doubleheader in the football on Sunday. But Neve Connell, joy for Neve Connell, the late, late show from them indeed. We're going to discuss that, uh, their victory over Gauna in the company of Donegal News reporter uh, Dara. Dara, welcome to the show. John Gilday is on the line as well. Dara Boner in the house uh, to give us the lowdown on the Gunnel. John, good to hear from you. Uh, the club scene, of course, uh, kicking in the Ulster. Uh, later on the show, we're going to hear from Michael McMullen of the Gaelic Life. Uh, he's going to wrap up the rest of the Ulster action. I can't actually read my own writing here. That's some bit of scrubbing there for me. Uh, he's going to wrap up the rest of the Ulster Club action for us and he's also going to discuss his book with us uh, uh, book Derry uh, The Game of My Life of course centred around the victorious 93 All-Ireland winning team and uh, 25 years around that and all the history that's coming looking forward to that but as I say first we're going to get straight into it and John how was the heart after yesterday you know we, we love this two points down late goal thing we don't see it that much more now because teams are so well set and Players are back and they're defensively solid. But, John, from a half-time position where you look completely in control, you know, you were crashing out of Ulster Club. What a phenomenal uh, finish to the game. Yeah, no, listen, <clears throat> it's great when you when you come out the right side of those games. And then it's obviously, if you flip it around to the other side and looked at it from a gunner perspective, it's absolutely gut-wrenching. Um, I know Neil Connell last year had, had similar type experience. Um, so we know both ends of the of the spectrum at this point in time, but no, it was it was nerve wracking stuff. Um, Did you deserve honest, that rub of the green after last year, uh, John, against Carrigan? Because it was a similar type scenario, well, I suppose, in terms of you know the, the, it was snatched from you. I know it went down to the the penals in, but um, it, it certainly was maybe something that we bit of luck you deserved. Well, listen, I think you make your own luck in a lot of things, and, and and the other side of the equation is you don't always get what you what you deserve. So. You know, while there there seems to be kind of a correspondence to last year, maybe a bit of, you know, we got the rub of the green, so therefore the the balance book has been balanced out. But it wasn't even that. I felt that from a performance perspective, it was poor. From a Neve Connell perspective, I thought we were relatively good in the first half. I didn't think that Gauna caused us any major problems, didn't get in behind us, kicked a couple of nice scores. I thought we left a lot of scores behind us, I think, in the first half. I think we might have left two, three, two, four behind us. We had the post, uh, and then Leo scored an opportunistic goal just before half time, which gave us a four point lead. And really, from that perspective, given the way the first half had gone, you thought we were going to cruise control, and then we would see the game out because, you know, I felt that even up until Leo's goal, we were the better side. We probably, as I said, we should have scored more. Um, and it was a very uncharacteristic, like Nick Connell performance in the sense that we were much more wasteful than we had been all year team had been very clinical and I know there was a wind and the ball was slippy and the ground was greasy and, and that plays into this time of year as well but um, and then when it came down to it Gauna you know they're county champions they're defending county champions in Kevin for a reason they're a big strong physical side I thought they, they give us a lot of bother around the park in lots of positions just from a pure physicality point of view some big men and they just decided they were going to throw the kitchen sink at it they had nothing to lose um, they had a lot of pride and, and ultimately at the end of the game they will feel hard done by because if 
you know, it's normally the team that won the second half is is the team that won the game, and Gauner were the better side in the second half, and that's been realistic and honest about it. Yeah, I agree. There, you know, we talk about finals throwing up scenarios. You know, Ulster Club, of course, is going to throw up. Now, they've gone away from home. Now, it's 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 a county ground. But still, it's a ground that, that Gowner are going to know very well, no more than uh, Neve Connell playing at McCool Park. You know, they went in the game as favourites. As John was saying there, in that first half, you know, Neve Connell left a lot of scores behind them, controlled the game. I thought as the half wore on that you could see that uh, tactical uh, counter-attack that they were drawing on Gowner. Gowner were trying to tackle them all over the pitch. The gaps was a dollar end, as John, as John said there, the, the McGinnis shot off the post. But at half time, I know John says four points, but I mean, it was double scores. And a low scoring game, that four points was a, was a huge lead. And at half time, you think, as John was saying there, Neve Conlon were just going to continue what they did in the second half. I think that's what everybody, certainly from the Donegal side, thought would be happening in the second half. Yeah, Brendan looked just like a trademark uh, Neve Connell performance, really. Like they just, they chipped away a couple of scores that Leo McLean goal was brilliant now it was lovely, it was, lovely he thing. had very little he put that on it was something funny yeah. it was real deft like, you yeah know. C- considering the chances they had missed earlier in the game too as like Teco John has already said I mean they left a lot of scores behind them and Charlie McGuinness probably be, had his head in his hands for about 10-15 seconds after he missed that chance as well but yeah coming in the half time you just thought Neve Connell it's Neve Connell they're not going to let this slip now and the first 15 minutes of the second half, they were just, they just couldn't find themselves. I don't know what it was, whether it was complacency, but I don't think it's not like them to have complacency. Do you think they expected them? just uh, like the rest of us that even if uh, Gowner got a patch, that they would score and they would just keep ticking? You know, even if they brought it back to two, they would get it back to three. <clears> no, they bring it back to three. Is, it, is that the mindset, I suppose, and that can be dangerous because. You know, people are saying to me about how you say Gowner played, but Gowner are, are a damn good team, a lot of good players. They kicked a couple of phenomenal scores last night. You've got to take that into consideration, you know, around the ability that, that Gowner had. Yeah, I think even their first two or maybe three scores in the game were, apart from the free kick, the the easy free kick. Now, the the couple ones they scored in the first half were brilliant. They were still wasteful at the same time now and probably kicked some harder scores than they could than the ones they missed. But I think, I think Neve Connell just... As you're saying, like they 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 could let them have a couple have, have a couple points, and Neve Connell would always get them back. But then, just when Gowner went direct for that one that one ball in, just got through, it's kind of rocked Neve Connell a wee bit for a second, I think. And and I suppose they just they did what what champions do well and got back into it when they were two points down with that ball in from Anthony Thompson. Yeah, and you got to respect that, uh, John. You know, as Dara saying there, uh, do what champions do. You know. It, it didn't look likely you now towards the end of that match, as you say, John. Is, is it a good thing in many ways now, John, I suppose, in terms of being a coach and Martin Regan looking, saying, right, here's what we did right in the first half. That second half performance is not going to be Glenn. It's not going to take us where we need to go. So is it a, a bit of a reset in terms of the second half, the way you look at it, manage a game in the second half? Yeah, listen, um, it's an ideal way to go into a game against Glenn because they'll be totally written off, which is yeah. ideal from their perspective. So, you know, that type of situation is ideal as long as you come out the right side of it. But the, the problem we, ha- and listen, we've had this down through the years as well. They play a very particular style of football. They don't blow teams away generally. Teams always have a chance at, at, at pipping them somewhere along the line. And the goal, you know, the goal was relatively easy when you think about it. They got through down the left-hand side very easy. They got inside the cover very easy. And then the ball across the stair was pammed on easily. So very uncharacteristic. You know, it's it's... 
it's a hard one, you know, because listen, they won the county championship. Ulster is always very, very difficult because you're you're playing teams in exactly the same position as you, in the sense that confidence is high. You're county champions, and Gowna's case, they were defending county champions. Very good side, a lot of very, very good players. So you can get away with that to a certain extent because maybe in in Donegal, McConnell have an aura about them in the sense that oh, when they go four points up, you may forget about it. The game's over. Whereas Gowna didn't come with that baggage. Gowna had come back a number of games throughout the year, just like Newcastle had. So they they were never out of the game, even though maybe from a Donegal perspective, we were looking and going, okay, well, this is typical Newcastle. But Gowna didn't read the script. They have no exposure to Newcastle from that perspective. So they just went, they just went at it, and they were going to go out with their boots on. And ultimately, they very nearly pulled it off. And it was, listen, let's be honest, it was complete good fortune. I heard Martin Regan said that one in ten, you know, that'll only work one in ten times. I can assure you, I played a lot of games. <laughs> you know, it, it works a lot less than one in ten. Yeah. And, you know, they came out the right side of it. But as I said, you want a county championship, there's a couple of days on the beer, there's refocusing, um, et cetera, et cetera. And maybe, you know, it's it's it needed something like that now to refocus the mind again. And maybe that game, hopefully, if we look back at it in seven, eight, nine, ten weeks' time, and maybe they're hopefully they've, they've gone much further maybe that'll be seen as a, as a pivotal point because as we all know, if you're going to be set successful in any sport and any tournament and any event, you need a little bit of luck at the right time. And up until now, Newcomel didn't need luck because they were just, this year they've been better than everybody else. I don't think anybody can deny that. And they need a little bit of luck on Sunday that deserted them last year and they got it this year and hopefully that'll spur them on and everybody will knock it down because I thought overall it was an underperformance by a lot of our, a lot of our key men. Um, now, is that an underperformance because we underperformed or is it an underperformance because Gauna did a really good job on us and made it very difficult for us to perform? So I suppose that'll only come to, you know, light in the coming weeks when we play Glenn and, and see exactly where we're at. Mm. And John, listen, I know your time's a bit tight tonight. I'll just go through another question. You know, we, as you said, they were always amazed that somebody scored a goal against Neve Connell, which is credit to how they play the game in terms of shutting out the vital scores that a goal is. But you know, going at half time, John, they were wobbling. You know, they were they were a bit devoid going forward. I thought, and then their defence was wide open because they were getting sucked into the trap. We impressed now with it with how they came out in the second half because your man Keeney there, the manager, um, you know, he, he was invited into the the, the senior ranks there. Um, sorry, I'm thinking throwing it to the other game there. Sorry, John, but I was just saying about the the the. Dermot McCabe, sorry, I'm flipping between the two games here. That's a that's a a, a big day yesterday. Uh, McCabe and the backroom team, John, around how Gauna came out in that second half in terms of not, you know, they looked like it was the start of the game again. You know, as I, maybe you're saying in Donegal it was too easy for Neve Connell because when Gauna came out in that second half, you'd have thought Neve Connell were going to control the game. They just went at it harder again. I think that may be surprised at Eve Con. Maybe again they're not used to it because <clears> of, they've had it their own way. And again, but I'm saying, John, that's a big learning uh, uh, thing as we're doing in Ulster all the time. Going we just kept going at it in, t- in terms of attacking Neve Con all over the pitch. And you'd have to say their fitness did look. You know, they were amazingly fit. The running just kept coming and coming. That's what resulted in the goal, which was the the big score in that second half. Yeah, I, th- I think it's twofold. Um, you know, and this will go back to the age old debate. Like, they don't play the style of football we play in Donegal. They don't play that kind of style of football in Cavan. Like, if you look at the county final, like it was a goal fest, they're, they're much more 
swashbuckling style of play in Cavan than there is in Donegal. And because of that, teams are A, afraid to go at Glenties or Neve Connell because they're, they'll, Neve Connell will do what they did to go in the first half. They'll turn the ball over, they'll strip you, they'll go down the field. And let's be honest, some of the scores that Neve Connell hit in the first half were exceptional, like A.G. Gallers, where the fo- where the cornerback, the fullback and the other cornerback turned the ball over and broke and ran the length of the park for AJ to kick it over the bar. So clubs in Donegal are used to Neil Connell doing that and therefore there's an apprehension. Gowna didn't have that baggage. They had like they, they knew that Neil Connell played defensive, surely. They would have learned from the first half um that, you know, if you go into contact they'll turn over. But they reverted back to the way they played in the county final. They just went, we'll, we'll go at it and we'll tear into it. And with no fear and and ultimately, they nearly got out the right side. I f- felt there was a lack of intensity, particularly in that middle third of the game or the, the in the second half, where we just couldn't get our hands on the ball. Every break ran away from us. I also thought there was, you know, and again, I'm, I'm not going to go down the, the Declan Bonner school of thought for, you know, for Northern Ireland referees, but I thought there was a couple of <laughs> decisions at crucial times that maybe could have gone away. Brendan McDyer, for example, went through down the wing on the left-hand side, was hauled back and then jumped on, and the referee would play on. And we things like that will turn the game. And what happened is, Gowna got momentum, their tails were up, they're at home, the crowd got into it, they scored a goal, all of a sudden, everybody's under pressure. Now, to flip that the other side, Neil Connell did amazingly well then to weather the storm because the game could have ran away from them. The Gowna could have kicked five scores and all of a sudden you're, you're gone out the gate. So what they did is they, they went back to basics again. They won a couple of balls around the middle. They kicked the score. They kept themselves in the game and they left themselves in the game to give them the opportunity to steal it at the end when maybe a lesser side would have rolled over and ran out the gate five or six points down going what happened. So they deserve credit from that perspective. But I know, you know, I know from all intents and purposes, management and players won't be happy with that performance. But that's a good way to be going into an Ulster semi-final because you're still on the draw. Yes, indeed. Uh, some Neve Connell fans just saying they should have freshened things up more in the second half. Big pitch, big playing pitch. Uh, Dara, John mentioned a couple of referee indecisions there. There's one or few going that people weren't happy about and that was the Leo McLoon foul at the end. Uh, some people thought he made overcarry there. So I suppose it depends what way you're looking at the, the, the scenario because that was... Uh, uh, the free kick that obviously led to the to, to the goal situation. Yeah, and sure, I think it was just before the the free kick as well, the sideline ball where the sure. referee threw it up. That was there was a lot of Guyana ones shouting about <laughs> yes. that too. So I think I think both sets of fans were were a bit unhappy with the referee now. But I, I don't think he had a he didn't have a terrible game. Now there was there was definitely some questionable calls. In the first half for Neve Connell too, I thought, and then yeah, you, you those get the last feeling, couple. Dara. I'm just saying, you get the feeling. I thought from the two games where refs are trying to let it go now as much as they can, and in doing that, then you're in a you're in a funny area. Of then was that he's trying to let it play and let it develop, uh, that you're not giving away handy frees. But then everything has to be thought like that. And that's what John was talking about about the the ball of a player. You know, he's probably let that go in the tackle previous and then he's trying to weigh it up. It's a very difficult one in GA in the tackle. Yeah, especially if you let things go early and like there's some teams like, I mean, Neve Connell can be quite physical and I mean, that's that's the way they play and it works well for them. But if if you start letting that go, then you're going to have to keep letting it go and it's, it just makes referees a bit inconsistent coming towards the end of games. People are questioning why why is that being let go and, or why is that being given when it was let go 
20 minutes previous but yeah. I suppose just the way the referees are playing the game these days I suppose Yeah, John you're still with us? Yeah, yeah. Oh, John, November 26th then, venue to be confirmed against Glen. Uh, they had kind of a routine victory now against uh, your friends there at Carrigan. Um, again, John, a team that'll keep ball, it'll be possession, possession number one. Again, a very different uh, <coughs> uh, obstacle compared with, um, you know, uh, Gauna. But in terms of the weekend there, John, you've seen obviously Kilku, who... Many people thought were almost unbeatable at times. If we could demand them, them and Glen, people would think it was going to be Kilku Cross. It isn't, you know. It's it's Trillick Scottstown. So, John, listen, it, we we talk about tactics. Like it's still it's going to come down to the smallest of margins between yourselves and Glen. Is that what the feeling is? You know, and there's going to be a lot of improvement from your guys. No, absolutely. And and you know, people have to be aware that Carrigan's played most of the game with fourteen men. They had a man set off very early, and there was four points in at the end. I know Glen were in control and. Glenn probably do what Neil Connell do in Donegal in the sense that, you know, it's a four-point comfortable victory and, and, you know, they were never really pressed that much. But again, they play a different type of style of football than, than Gauna would play. They'd be less swashbuckling. They'd be less random, you know, court, fullback finding themselves in weird positions and stuff like that. So they're a much more structured outfit. They're very efficient. Uh, they're obviously a top-class team. They're, they got beaten in all in the final. They're defending Ulster champions. So you have to give them the ut- utmost respect. Uh, but I think Neve Connell will be looking forward to this. I heard Martin uh, on another station saying, you know, they've always wanted to test themselves against the best. You know, d- Neve Connell have been in finals. They've played big games. They've won big games. They've lost big games. So it's not going to hold any fear for them. And if anything, it may be the perfect game for them just to challenge themselves and get really up to it again. Because as I said, I just felt they were off the pitch of the game. And again, I don't want to be disrespectful to Gauna. Maybe Gauna were the reason that they were off the pitch. They played that well and, and, and knocked them out of stride. But listen, it's going to be a, it's going to be a great game. Nick Connell obviously going as underdogs, particularly after this performance, which I think suits, suits them perfectly. And Glenn are obviously favourites for Ulster again. And they're an exceptional team with exceptional talent. But, you know, we'll, where, where is the game going to be? I think it's going to, is it going to be in Oma? Yeah, they haven't venue? decided yet, uh, John. We're waiting on confirmation just yeah, Could be so. Yeah, probably be in neutral that. venue. But, yeah. you know, listen, yeah. Nick will always fancy the chances. And I think it'll be the same type of thing. Nobody's going to run away with this game. It's going to be a tight game. And it's going to be a tight game between two teams that are are very comfortable in that type of situation. So, you know, it's going to be very interesting to see. And, you know, from a tactical perspective, it'll be interesting to see how Neve Connell set up. It's a great challenge for Martin, and I know they're really looking forward to it. Yeah, excellent stuff, John. Dara, just on that before we leave Neve Connell, you know, they're away from home, as I said, you know, they controlled the first half. And in many ways, there is there's a lot to be taken from that in the good of the game. Sure, you come back from... I think if you go through any, any championship normally, particularly the level of, um, I suppose... Uh, you know, talent that's an Ulster and sides in it, it's always going to, you're going to need a wee bit of a bounce of a ball to come through. And this could be the catalyst. You know, they can come out and play, uh, you know, the the full match that they did in that first half, which would make them a very, very difficult prospect. So in many ways, there is a good going on the next game, as we're saying, uh, with things to find out and, and reset back at training and saying, lads, this wasn't good enough, this lifted up because... In any given year, you can create history and, you know, there's no time like the present and I'm sure them boys are thinking, listen, that team now seems to be at its real peak of its powers. So, you know, still a, a, a huge uh, potential for them to beat Glenn and get into the Ulster final. Yeah, well, I think 
every manager would say there's no learning when you win comfortably. Um, and obviously that was probably the perfect thing for Neve Connell to go through that first half. They were very comfortable. When you go in Dulster, you're going to expect every team you come up against to have a purple patch against you. And Gauna, Gauna's did last a bit longer maybe in that second half. But yeah, like Martin Regan said that Glenn won't have any sleepless nights over them. But that's that'd be... That's more than what Martin Regan want, I'm sure, going into this game. He's he's not going to be wanting to go in thinking, oh yeah, we've had a good game against Guyana, we deserve to win. What do we do now for Glenn? He, he'll know what exactly they need to do to improve their game. And like, against Glenn, I can't see it being too high scoring now, but that'll, that'll suit both teams, I suppose, going yeah. into it. Perfect, yeah. After the match, we caught up with a very relieved Kevin McGettigan. What was the feeling like after... Uh Sticking the ball in the back of the net. Ah, oh, some sort of euphoria now. I don't often get the, uh, a goal, and not never got one as important as that. I don't know why. Yeah. Uh, it's just I was just right, uh, right place, right time. Very lucky now. Yeah. Just happy to, that I got snuck it in somehow. Yeah. Well, listen, there was a wall of players in front of you. Ah, there's at least seven or eight there, and it's if you my own men were nearly in front of me. I just I actually drop kicked it somehow. I don't know. And wouldn't drop kick ever in training or nothing. So yeah. I don't know what it was that. I just, just lucky. Lucky, but listen, it meant so much to the players. And obviously to these supporters that we're standing in the middle of here. Yeah, I'm just glad I could uh, repay the supporters for what they do for us. That uh, I'd give something back to them and give them another day out at least. Yeah. Well, listen, the second half performance, and no speaking to Martin, um, he wasn't happy with it. You guys never got going in the second half after leading before the break? No, nah, not. Nah, we'll be looking back on that. Now. We won't be happy at all. Now, kind uh, got a good big press on us there, and we couldn't deal with it at all for some reason. Usually we'd be comfortable with that and we'd get away a few passes and we'd losing, uh, get a wee run on it but I suppose the slippy surface and that there maybe was against us today but we'll look, we'll, we'll look at that now in two, next few weeks and we'll, we'll uh, work on it. Yeah, because I said to Brian Kilcoyne in commentary and, and we, we agreed on it, when you get to Ulster at times it's not really about the performance it's just getting the result. Yeah, anything can happen as you can see I think Kilcoyne lost today as yeah. well. Like, yeah, anything can happen all these teams they don't really know that much about each other like, and anything can happen on the day like the matchups and everything anything can happen. Yeah. Well listen, you've got a another day now to come that's against Glen in, in a fortnight's time it's good to measure yourself against the best uh, you're going up against the defending champions oh exactly like it's there's no better place to be is up against the, cha- uh, the, rain, uh, the rain and champions like you'll you'll uh, know from there where you're at yourselves and then you'll might prove something to yourself if you get a, a good victory against them now and we'll be we'll knuckle down now for two weeks and we'll get that one hell of a rattle hopefully okay. Yeah, thanks very much, Ashin Kelly there, talking to a very relieved Kevin McGettigan. He's he's in the semi-final. Uh, Dara Downings, the 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 pre the pre-show in this, we were going up a wee bit of hope for Downings. weren't too sure now. A lot of people were fancying Bally Hayes. The game was over very quickly. You know, huge press on on uh, McLaughlin and Nets. You know, he had a bit of an injury getting into the game, and it was really a masterclass from Bally Hayes. You know, running out uh, four. But they finish up 4.15 to 11. Uh, Dara, it was a tough, tough watch then uh, for Downings. Everything about Bally Hayes was operating on another level to Downings, you know. Were you surprised by the control and, and how good Bally Hayes were? I, I remember I was speaking to Kevin Gallagher last week and he was talking about the physical size of Bally Hayes and how he knew that was going to be a problem. And I think you could see that from nearly from the off in that game now. Uh, first five minutes there was two apiece Paddy McAwee two brilliant scores to be fair now and it looked like it was going to be an absolutely amazing game uh, I think then Johnny McGrady missed a free and just Bally Hayes just took over then and as you say yeah, McLafferty's kicking couple were a bit disappointing early on and then 
the the goal is unfortunate too. I mean, if it's, it could have bounced anywhere other than just right on top of him, and he just had to palm it down. And uh, your man, I think it was he slip. He was called. He just snuck in for the goal, and you just couldn't really see like much else was going to happen after that. I think there were six points in it after twenty minutes, and then they got two goals in as many minutes after that. And I mean, it was game over before the twenty fifth, thirtieth minute. Yeah, yeah, tough, tough day for for Dunnes. they're champions. They've come an awful long way, uh, Dara. They did well in Division 1 this year, and as did Ballyhees in, in the Cavan Division 1, and that's why we're thinking both teams might have uh, somewhere similar, but listen, it was an absolute masterclass. But listen, Downers never give up. They plugged away, they plugged away, and when the dust settles, they're still champions. Uh, a team that's still in the mix, in the hurling, uh, St. Eunan's reached the Ulster Junior Final against Castle Blaney, and... Uh, an amazing game there. I went to penos. We don't see football games too often going to penos, but hurling in particular because of the, the quick scoring and the high scoring nature. It's unusual. 21 each at finish and then 5 4 on penalties. Unions march on. What a game. Yeah, uh, Swatra there was that they played. Um, that was always oh, an amazing game. I mean, Unions were, I think it was 10 6 up at half time. And they, at that point, I was, I was down at it and I kind of thought they were probably counting their luck that they were. Four points up at that point. Uh, Swatra had nearly double digits and wides in that first half. But Swatra came back so well and I think they had four in a row to go a point up and it, lo- it looked like they were going to just push on from there. But credit to Unions, they just kept coming back every time. Darren Maligi, I think he scored a 64th minute equaliser and then an 82nd minute point to equalise as well and right. to bring it to penalties. And again, then um, Kane Hennessy did brilliant, made two saves, and it was just uh, just a cracker. And they did so well to get back in that game because I think they probably went in as underdogs as well against a good Swatcher side. Yeah, Dara had a penalty too, did he? Yeah, Dara had one now, and uh, right in the bottom corner was brilliant now too. Yeah, Sean McVeigh was at his best, boy. The 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 veteran and the legend that he is. I, I, we Sean McVeigh always seems so young to be because of older. If I call him a veteran, but that, <laughs> Sean, that's what you are now. Man, the might say fair play to you, Unions uh, march on. Great to see. There, the Dunlow ladies in an Ulster final next week. Uh, listen, exciting time for them and and a club on the up and up. Uh, uh, Dunlow and the ladies uh, flying the flag through Ulster. Yeah, and they've been brilliant. I've I've seen their two Ulster games so far, and both times they've had to dig very very deep. Both times they've looked like they could have been like going out of it. The the quarter final, they were a point down coming into added time. And they'd only scored in the first minute of that second half, so it looked like they were never going to get a score. But they got one, Katie Wallace got a late one to equalise, and then they just pushed on in extra time and were brilliant. I think they had they had at least three players sinbind in that game as well over time. I think they might have been down to 13 at one point, and then going away to Ty Holland last, or two weeks previous now, they, they were just brilliant in the first 40 minutes or so. They let Ty Holland get back into it, but they had to, it was a much more improved and experience performance from them to see out the game that time and going into the final now against Lavi it's going to be hard to know Lavi are the intermediate champions in Derry but they're a lower grade so I think they've only been going two years as well they won the junior last year and they've won the intermediate now so they're definitely flying anyway the Derry champions so it should be a brilliant game but Tony Boyle's girls have been amazing the whole year so it should be good Some pedigree there my 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 hero Tony, who I got to play with, of course, and doing doing sterling work in there. There, that that's phenomenal. Really looking forward to this now. That would be huge for and it was for for Don Lowen, of course. And even talking to John McNulty last week, just saying, you know, 
we need more clubs with better uh, improving ladies teams to pull up which will only help the county and particularly at underage and start to compete a bit more so all that's good news yeah, brilliant. I mean, Dunlow have won almost everything around them this year between, I think, for under 14s, 15s, 16s minors. And then they got promoted and they obviously won the junior and they won Division 2 as well, I think it was. They've just been brilliant. And that's it's what the county needs, I think. They put in a good setup to get all these girls playing at a young age and then they brought in a good, brilliant management department, as you say, with Tony Boyle coming in there, Rob Worley as well. Um and yeah, if if there was other clubs doing the same thing, we'd, we'd be talking about God knows what. All well, Ireland, yes, <laughs> yes. So you never know. We might we might get one yet. We've come, yeah. we've come, we've come, we've come close. Listen, Dara, Hopefully. thanks so much as ever for your contribution there, at Dara Bonner of the Donegal News. Thank you, Dara, uh, for wrapping that up. And of course, John Gilday was with us just previously after the break. Um, I'd say I'm going to be joined by Michael McMullen to look across Ulster Club Championship and of course talk about his book. We'll get you after these. Welcome back to the DL Debate. I'm now delighted to say I'm joined by Michael McMullen. How are you, Michael? Not too bad, Brendan. Or as your friends call you Mal, so I'm going to call you Mal. It's always good to have two names, isn't it? Hey, listen, I know a few boys be at that, all right, for various reasons, but I'll not go on there. I could get label here. Here, uh, Mal, tell me the crack. Now, before we get into it, I'm I'm fascinated about this book, uh, um, Game of My Life, of course, centred around Derry's epic 1993 and, and the 25 years around it well I was looking at the book and, and the contributors you have and the history that's involved in it it's it's phenomenal um, well before we, we look at the book well uh, it was a, another epic weekend this Ulster Club Championship I mean I don't really pay much heed to the other provincial clubs and maybe I'm being biased a bit but is there anything like it? Uh, it's a very special competition I think the only disappointing thing about it Brendan is it's it's half over um, it comes very quickly. We look forward to it, and you know you're down to the last three games of all all the grades. And from my own point of view, I think I missed the two clinkers at the weekend, the Trillick and Crossing Glen game. There was a bit of decent football in the second half, and Glen and Cargan, you know, Glen were in control for for much of it. But I was listening to Oshin and and the boys talking about uh, Kevin's late goal for Nick Connell and. Obviously, Kilku with with a Kilku in Scotstown with late drama. So uh, you just need to know where the drama is and make sure you follow. Yeah, that's a difficult one. I appreciate that, Michael. Of where to go and what to do. Uh, you know, there's something about Scotstown that you just don't know with them. They've got that in them, uh, Michael. On any given day, they're not afraid of anybody. They're a wee bit like the Monaghan County team themselves. You know, there's there's games that they'll lose that you think they should win, but then no matter who they play. There seems to be a disregard for the fact that, listen, Kilku are heading for a final uh, with possibly Glenn. That's the way a lot of t- people were looking, but they, they had other ideas and begging. You know, the very few players can do that. I mean, you think about skills of people around the country. Who can kick the the point of begging kick? Like, he's <laughs> some man for one man. It was a brilliant kick, Brandon. You know, like even the one that Kieran Hughes got before that and... We were watching it in the press box at Celtic Park, and when whenever Kieran Hughes actually floated that one over, we thought sure extra time here. And uh, next minute, Began was standing over the kick like it was it was brilliant. Uh, you're talking there about you know Scotstown, like they re- they should really think about one and Ulster clubs, like the load of players they have at their disposal. You know, add in the tradition that the club has, you know, back through the years. 
But you did mention that like a couple of weeks ago, I did think that Kilku were the team to beat. I watched their down final and the, their win over Derry Galway, and I thought they looked as good as ever they did. Um, I haven't got a chance to watch yesterday's game with Scott Stone, apart from obviously the last five minutes, but it's obviously gone and they're they're left scratching their heads. But from a from a Scott Stone point of view, you're bound to be buzzing, and that's going to be some game of trillic. Yeah, listen again, the, the Tyrone winners. No one knows what to expect. I mean, they're going to be good, but we we just wonder have they got the pedigree because of the. The history is against them in terms of Tyrone teams in, in Ulster compared to what you would expect from such a football mad county that no one can dominate it so it affects them but yet you have Trillick coming in there uh, I know listen we always think across McGlenn in terms of their history too but you know they aren't at the at the power of that but still that was a game some people were maybe looking at cross and again were they looking at the history because Trillick weren't having any of it and uh they're, they're a team like they just they, no one expect them to win Tyrone they were underdogs in, in the last couple of games and then here they are now in, in an Ulster semi-final a game away from a final I did fancy them to beat Cross to be honest um, you know more than me you see you're a proper GN let's see yeah. <laughs> that's the difference <laughs> you don't always get it right so sometimes when you do you have to just say that you do um, but I did expect them to win but the thing about with Trillick I think the I think the problem with throwing clubs is that they don't get out two or three years in a row. Like if somebody gets out of a county three or four years in a row and they can't win Ulster, they, they can always go back and build, get a player back from injury, get a good lad out of minors and build on it. Whereas Tyrone teams in, you might not get out of Tyrone for four or five years and all of a sudden maybe maybe two of your best players have retired or moved away and it's nearly like back to square one. That's what it seems like from the outside. You know, every so often you'll get a team that comes along and wins it first time, but I still think there's a building, there's a building process there to, to win Ulster because it, it is so difficult to win. Yeah, well, I'm going to ask you who is going to win it then. How's that? Well, I don't know who's Don't be giving me a political answer. Go, go, give me your gut, give me your gut. You're going to go with Glenn, aren't you? You have to. We got a few weeks ago was Kilku, to be honest with you. Um, but now... I'm not so sure. Yeah. Oh, listen, Mike, I the, get the, you because the easy answer, the, the yeah. easy answer would be Brent to say Glenn because yeah. they won it last year. But yeah, yeah. I know Neve Connell will will absolutely love a crack at them. Yes, and uh, rightly so because they don't fear anybody. Neve Connell, so I'm sure they'll be looking forward to that one. Yeah, and listen, as I said, we were talking just previous to this. You know, didn't play well in the second half yesterday, but you 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 won a game and you haven't really played your snatch. You know, many ways, as I'm just thinking, as I'm talking to boys, Neil Connolly did so easy going through Donegal, to be honest, uh, Mel. And, you know, they, they did a fairly easy in that first half. And this was the first time they probably faced the team playing the way Gowna did. So, you know, I suppose you got to allow that and respect that Gowna were a damn good side. I was really impressed uh, with them. But listen, they came through and I think it'll be much more tactical affair with Glenn. It'll be keep bottle, play, play the percentages. It'll come down the wire. It'll be low scoring. Well, but it'll be, it'll be very intriguing. So, we remain to see what happens. I was looking for you to tap them. You see all the Neve Collin people will be loving that. But, Mel, tell me this. I have enough trouble reading a book. How do you go about writing one? Could you tell me in the middle of everything else that you'd be doing? I have no idea. Uh, 54 weeks of graft, Brendan. Uh, Fair play I think, person who, I think the person who deserves the most credit is my wife, Pauline. She actually <laughs> she made sure I went through with it whenever the idea came. And uh, I think it was always... 
keep at it. And you're nearly there with the statements that you kept giving me as it went along. But, you know, I, you do need support. But, you know, if you're writing something that you're passionate about, it's a big help. And, you know, to go into, you know, the living rooms or cafes, wherever you met these people, to 25 of the greatest players ever to play for Derry, um, you know, it does help. And it's, it's, I suppose when you've read as many books as I might have had over the years, you, you always sort of think, we'll ever write one. And thankfully the opportunity came. Liam Hayes gave me a buzz and, and I thought, you know, we'll go for this. But no, it was a very, very busy, but a very, very enjoyable year. Yeah, it looks great. Man, just looking at the cover of it, it really stands out, you know, when you see that the history is there, obviously Downey and, you know, Toehold, Paddy Bradley, that spread. Was it, was it a, I suppose, did it give you a bit of uh, luxury in terms of picking 25 that you could go through a few different eras there, if you like, and, and pick out the players? Because it would have been very difficult to, to tighten that down, I would imagine. Very, very difficult. I actually says to Liam at the start, I says, who do you want me to interview? And he says, that's your department. So I had to go and sit down and draw up 25 names out of you know, 50 or 60 years of Derry's history, which is very difficult in itself. But I tried to get it across as many years as possible and, you know, as different clubs and different, you know, just different areas. And the thing about it is it wasn't intentional that it was linked with the 30th anniversary of Derry winning in Ireland. But Liam did say to me at the time, he says, look, you're going to be doing a book here and things are going well in Derry. You know, there's there's good, there's a good feel good factor about it. And I know even from my own point of view, with Derry being close at the minute to challenging for Sam, from reading some of the chapters, you nearly were inspired by some of it, to be honest. And mm. hopefully hopefully the readers and will feel that. And, you know, even I've said it on a couple of interviews, if, so, if even the Derry players themselves, they should take Damien Cassidy's chapter and get it laminated and read it every, every month because I actually felt like buying the ball the next day and going out and playing. You know, it was just, he was talking about how close Derry were and what they had to actually do to get there and just to keep knocking at the door. And it's maybe a wee bit the way things are at the moment. So, you know, there's things that got through, through the book, Brendan, but it's not all about 93 because some of the boys who played in that era, they didn't actually pick a Derry game. Like Dermot Nichol picked a McCrory Cup game. You know, he was a very prominent player. Tony Scullion picked one from the international rules. And Kieran McKeever, for example, he actually found it very difficult to pick a game. He couldn't decide between Derry beating Meath in a National League final, you know, the county's first game, sorry, the, the county's first one at Croke Park in such a long time, before eventually settling on Dungiven one in the Ulster Club, something that he just, you know, he, he keeps thinking about every day of his life. So there's so many different stories in there, but obviously the story of 93, 30 years on, there's a nice theme running through it and, uh, maybe more special is there's a theme of Eamon Coleman going, going through the book I often think if Eamon was alive and you're writing his chapter what game would he have picked but a lot of the players who would have played under him spoke so well about him and you nearly feel as if you know him yeah and indeed listen you know, I remember meeting Eamon in, in uh, 98 when we lost the Ulster final to yourselves uh, we'll not go into that uh, but uh, we were the Ulster All-Stars then it was the first time I met them, and, and you know, for someone like me, I'd never really, no, oh, never played for Donegal before, not really underage. You're kind of thrust into this, but to meet him and, and all I'd heard about him, like he was such a different character, you know, you know, the way you break the mold kind of thing. 
and and you could hear that from a lot of boys playing under him. And he goes to me, "I'm not going to tell you how good you are." That's what he that's what he said to me when I met him. And you know the way, Val. There's only certain people when they speak to you, you'll never forget it. And and Eamon was like that, you know. He was such his own man. And and you you spoke there about you know some of the passages there, no hair standing in the back of your neck stuff, motivational stuff. There's some real raw leaders and it's just like in their DNA. And as you're as you're taking that across there, it's affecting you there as a dairyman. It is, and and even you know, conscious of the fact we've done like all listeners on here, Brandon, and and like a couple of players had spoke about you know the the McAniff and Coleman relationship, where they absolutely fought tooth and nail to to get over each other, you know, on on Championship Day. But I think it was Damien Barton had said to me that he met Brian McAniff a couple of times, and whenever. Donegal, whatever day would get past Donegal, McAniff would wholeheartedly want Derry to win the All-Ireland because he was a massive Ulster man. And, you know, there was that sort of rivalry between the managers I thought was also very special during it as well. Yeah, well, you, listen, and not only McNiff, let's be honest, we were all supporting Derry in 93, you know. I know there was mm-hmm. a big rivalry then, but it, it wasn't, it didn't get to the t- stage we have we rivalries now where teams probably... Maybe we bit begrudging. He might admit it to people from that county, but they're not. They're certainly not supporting him. But I can remember back in '93, we were all shouting 100 percent for Derry. Yeah, and I think that's the way it should be. You know, like we we all supported the Ulster teams, and the a theme in the book is how much inspiration they took from you know the Down Donegal era of it all. Sorry, Mal, just lost you there a second. Mal, I, I was just looking there. Um, Thinking about what you were saying there about Ulster and McNuff and, and playing there and playing. And I played uh, with Henry Downey. And I remember again coming in there and like thinking about it. Just a, I'm just a wee lad, basically. So Henry stands up and speaks in the dressing room. And just like you're saying there, I remember thinking to myself, wow, you know, look at that guy there. I mean, he asked me to do something. I'm doing it. And uh, I kind of got to know him a wee bit then and around the nightclubs of Derry. But... <laughs> <laughs> he bought them. I'm in the Browood bed there, uh, Seamus. And uh, top fella. Hey, and uh, I, I, he came down to play. I was looking after Unions in uh, 2012 for the management team. And he came down and played a friendly there with Lavi. And uh, he had some presence about him. Uh, well, and you'd have to say that, you know, guys that get a gain, they just don't come around too often. And it's almost, you know, it's like destiny, you know, that someone that comes going to lift the Sam no more than or own Anthony Malloy or Michael Murphy it just seemed like that was going to be what was going to happen even though it's it's a it's a, almost a once in a lifetime thing it is like that team is full of leaders you know and they actually spoke about you know just how quiet a leader Henry was it was literally yes you still there Mel? Yeah, I'm still here, yeah. Sorry, sorry. Lane's just going out and a, a small bit for me there. Well, the the, the the book then, we can we can get the book all over. It's in all bookshops. Have, we, have, have you come in and uh, infiltrated Donegal here? We're always supporting the Dairy Boys, I'm telling you. It's it's not really you we have, we have the issue with, and I'll not tell you who it is, so we'll keep it we'll keep it all positive here. <laughs> We've always, um, I, don't, I don't know why that is, but there seems to be certain rivalries around Ulster, and I know uh, your own new manager, there's been a lot of furore about that there, but... 
Uh, even though, like going back to them, 90s time, there was a Derry Donegal uh, thing there. I, I never got, no, maybe I'm innocent to that. And even in 98 when we lost the final, there was no kind of animosity. You lost a football match, away you go. The animosity seemed to creep in as, uh, when the, there was more championship games and there were more teams playing each other and familiarity breeding contempt, as we say. It probably is. As you say, you're maybe playing backdoor games and maybe twice in the same year and not definitely... Yeah, yeah, indeed. Um, Mal, we are going to almost out of time here. Joe Dexas, tell me to line up the music now. Mal, so listen, all good books, all good bookshops, uh, stock and filler, uh, great book to be read about the uh, game of my life, uh, picking the top 25 uh, dairy uh, players from your excellent experience of the game. Yeah, it's in all local shops around the county and... Uh, David in the in the Letterkenny Shopping Centre will be stocking it as well for the people who want to read about 1993 and how the rain saved Donegal from a hammering. Yeah, <laughs> that's one way to put it. Well, we all remember it in our own in our own way. It's a game that not, should not, never not be my played. Words. Not, not my words. words. One, one of the players' words. <laughs> a wee bit of controversy you can sell, Mal. I'll tell you. Listen, Mal, 100. Thanks for wrapping that up and good luck uh, with the book. And sure, we might talk to you now as the as also club uh, winds down and goes to the final. Good luck on your big event on Friday week, Brenton. Appreciate that, Mal. Thank you very much. Top man there, Michael McMullen, indeed there, of the Gaelic Life. Good luck with him with his book. Also, Joe, I want to thank you for producing the show this evening, our guests that contributed. Stay tuned for the excellent Monday night sessions. And we are going to call the day for now. Jimmy and Paul are getting ready there. I'll speak to you all next week. <laughs>